Swamiji, there's a saying that uh, the path to God is three feet long only, the length of the spine. What do you have to say about that? Well, there is the entire path to God. You know, the spine is, you have all of hell and all of heaven within your own self. You can say in a sense that there is no space, but an, an amoeba can't find God. It's the, the vertebrae begins the path. And a dog, you'll notice it wags its tail. Its energy goes downward. But the more the energy rises in the spine, the more you find heaven within you. And the way to God is that we are, see, we are exemplifications in ourselves of the reality of duality. Everything is dual. In fact, it's an interesting point, because on the one hand you have dvaita or duality, on the other hand you have the three gunas. And Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita says that everything is a mixture of the three gunas. The darkening quality or the tamaguna is the downward one. The uh, sattva guna is the upward one. Where does raja guna come in? Rajaguna is the activating one. Well, that is to say that you have the peak of the wave and you have the trough of the wave, but then you have the movement in either direction, and that is Raja Yoga. So it's still Dvatya, it's still duality. And that duality in you is the downward part and the upward part, these two poles. And ultimately, the top pole is here at the top of the head, and you have to unite the two before you can achieve union. Outward union and inward union then become the same thing. Once you become inner, united in yourself, you become united, united with the universe. That's why you don't need to find the truth by finding everything out in the universe. You don't need to break through the whole sheet of ice to get to the water underneath. You need to drill at that one little point where you are. And when you can understand who you are, you've understood the secret of the universe. So what we need to do is to meditate, and the battle described in the Bhagavad Gita between the good and the bad, this struggle between good and evil is a constant. Evil is that which takes you away from it and downward. Good is that which takes you toward it and upward. So. Devotion is the mid-path here. And an interesting thing is that in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is a, another scripture of India, they talk of meditating on the heart. It's the pivotal point. The heart is where your emotions are centered. And meditate on the heart as a lotus and think that all the rays of that, that devotion are going upward. In meditation, or I should say in spirituality, chanting is very important. But then you have to take that devotion that you develop and turn it inward. That's why I went to a Hare Krishna meeting when Prabhupada Swami Bhaktivedanta came to, to San Francisco. And uh, I used to enjoy going there because he spoke Bengali and I enjoyed chanting the Maha Mantra. And he enjoyed my coming because we could talk Bengali. And uh, yet, I found that after they'd finished chanting, they didn't sit and meditate. They just sort of 
began talking right away. No, after chanting, you should turn the energy inward. It's not enough to do Maha Mantra. You know, an interesting thing is, Ellen Ginsberg told me this. Ellen Ginsberg was a famous poet, as you know. He was a friend of mine. And he said, uh, uh, Prabhupada said to him one time, where have I gone wrong? Because people, he thought that was enough just to chant and you'd become, you'd find God. Uh, Chaitanya, who started this movement in India, said, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Hare Ram Kevalam. To chant the name of God is everything. But it's not enough if you do it only with your tongue. It's got to be inward. Actually, to chant the name is to vibrate with the, vib with the vibration of Om. That is truly chanting his name. But in that darker age, people couldn't understand that. Still, after chanting, you should, you should go into silence, into meditation. And if you don't, it becomes dissipated. And so many people who joined that movement didn't become uh, higher spiritually. Um, it takes two things. It takes you and it takes God. If you're only going to chant to God and don't give him, him a chance to answer, then what good is it? Prayer is one thing, talking to God, singing to God. Meditation is listening for his answer. Both are necessary. Swamiji, um, Yogananda said chanting is half the battle. What, does, what did he mean by that? Half the battle is because without, as Sri Yukteswar, his guru, also put it, until you've developed the heart's natural love, you uh, can't take one step toward God. God does it all, but he has to do it through your cooperation. Your cooperation is tuning into his wavelength of love and bliss, and that is devotion. Chanting helps to develop that devotion, helps to channel that devotion, and that's why after chanting you should sit still have, and then try to feel his answer, try to listen for his answer. But chanting is important. Can you, uh, for a general audience, describe what chanting is? Chanting is, first of all, outward. And it's not just hymn singing. It's singing to God in such a way as to ask him to reveal thyself. You can make it just as a verbal thing, reveal thyself, reveal thyself. But when there's melody involved too, there's more feeling in melody. And melody can inspire you in a way that words alone won't. So words combined with melody are more important. Wilt thou come, wilt thou come, just for once come to me. That's a chant. I am the bubble, make me the sea. There's a lovely rhythm and all of this brings your whole being into that, that attune with, with that ray. So in that way, chanting is half the battle. But then the other half is letting God, giving him a chance. It seems that by the repetition of simple phrases yes. with music, then the mind remembers. Yes, Jesus more. talked of vain repetition. Well, that's like um, saying the rosary and not having your mind on what you're doing. That doesn't have much benefit. But when you say a thing with deeper and deeper and deeper uh, feeling, then that is not vain repetition. That's very important repetition. 
Because you can't just say once, I, got, I love you, God. No, you have to keep saying it until you, until you tune into that feeling of love. Swamiji, you spoke earlier of ego and soul. Can you describe what they each are and what the difference between them is? The ego is the soul identified with the body. There is really only the soul. This is the self. Who you really are is God. But the God self in you, attached to your physical body, is different from the God self in me, attached to my physical body. And so we see ourselves as separate from one another. That is the ego. Our main job on the spiritual path is to rise above ego consciousness. And you can do that most of all in meditation. Because as you offer yourself to him, gradually he's the one who fills you until you discover that really he's doing your thinking for you. But we should practice that also, so that when you work, feel that God is working through you. When you walk, feel that God is walking through you. When you talk, feel that God is talking through you. <coughs> and the more you do that, the more you will get rid of this thought of I. Another thing, and important too, although it's, it doesn't give you the final wisdom of it, but it's a help. And that is anything that reduces the thought of the importance of I. For example, when somebody insults you, don't suddenly, what about, you know, they used to go to, into duels. I don't know how they thought that a duel would solve anything. If I call you a jerk and you fight me with a sword and you prove that you're a better swordsman than I, it still doesn't make you not a jerk. <laughs> but I found that it's very helpful when people don't treat me with a sense of dignity or respect to be grateful for it. Let people insult me and to thank them for it. Anything that will put down this sense of my being important and my being separate from you and my being something that I need to affirm as real and vital and so on. I remember I was at a function in San Francisco many years ago and there was a young woman outside the function. We got into a conversation and after a while I asked her for her name and she told me. And she asked me my name. I said, Swami Kriyananda. Swami Kriyananda, but, but you're famous. I said, well, maybe, but why the word but? <laughs> and she said, but every other famous person I've met seems important. <laughs> and I was extremely pleased to think that I did not seem important to her. Because who need, you don't need to put on airs just because you're important. People will sit around talking about what they've done and all the things they've accomplished and how people look up to them for this and that. The less I have of that, the happier I am. If people think that I don't really matter, I'm pleased. Because then I, I realize this, is, this little thing is nothing to cling to. People look up to me for guidance and so on. I like to think of it as clashing cymbals and chords and everything. And finally this thing comes out and it's a little mouse looking. <laughs> but uh, honestly, I really don't think of myself as having any importance. Only God has any power in this world. And so to be able to mix with people and, and just be the same as anybody or even less important, when people 
as that's why I say when people insult me or treat me uh, disparagingly, and what do you know kind of thing, well, I'm happy with that because I know that I don't know anything. He's the one who does it. I've done many things in my life. I've written 140 books. I've written over 400 pieces of music. I've taken 15,000 uh, art slides. I've started nine communities. I've done uh, lots and lots of lectures all over the world. And I think that the reason I've been able to do it all is the fact that I don't really think I've done anything. If I want to write a song, I say, well, God, give me a song. I tell him what I want it to be about, and then he gives it to me. I ask him to guide me when I write a book, and I never prepare a lecture. I let him talk through me. I find that it works better that way, whereas if I were to do it, I would have endless worries. <laughs> but it's so nice not to have to worry. He does it, and in fact, he does a better job.